Hello, and welcome to the Blog to Who cast. Hello again everybody and welcome to another edition of the Blog to Who cast. I am your host Bedway Gulledge and joining me once again is the head of blogtohu.com, Susan Hewitt. Hello, how are you doing this week? All's well and we are here to talk about Rosa, episode 3 of Jodie Whittaker's debut series as the Doctor. Uh, what were your overall reactions first of all susan um it's it's a very interesting episode it's very historical episode because i mean it was i I went and actually read the his uh history uh, biography dot uh whatever about her just before and it was almost like a a cut and paste of all the steps that had happened in her, her life uh rosa park's life and then there was the teaching on the board which uh, yes it was a hotel uh wall but uh teaching the the uh, the lessons at, at that point, and also teaching at the end of the uh, of the episode where they went to see the asteroid, um, was very more like an educational episode that you would get um, at school in a sense. But it, I think it was very well done. Um, the doctor and her companions did not interfere too much. And uh, they let Rosa Parks save the day, uh, and that's what needed to happen. Yeah, I think it goes back to a very 60s-style episode. Uh, Hartnell era, you had things like the massacre um, of St. Bartholomew's Eve, which is about the massacre of the Huguenots, a very dark story, unfortunately one that doesn't exist in the archives, so if you've not, if you're not aware of it, you might have to go and dig it out. But that's a very, very dark story. And this was equally heavy, I thought. Obviously, 1950s Alabama, it, it's pretty dark uh, in terms of racial segregation. I was concerned that we'd all be looking at it uh, in our modern sensibilities and, you know, quietly tutting. But it is a lot more shocking and, unfortunately, is something that is seeping back into society, it seems. It is. Um, I do think, uh, based... I've lived in the southern United States a bit and I I was actually quite shocked um, moving from Canada down to the southern United States the racism I saw when I was there, um, yeah, it sort of blew me away. And I do know at this time there were five, uh, uh, five young uh, men um, from that were killed and lynched. And the, this is the Ku Klux Klan era and everything. It is actually probably more brutal than what we saw on the television. But certainly it wouldn't have been any nicer or kinder. It would have been in anything worse. Than what we saw. I mean, um, I think if it was a little bit more true to life, the police officer probably would have uh, dragged Ryan out and <laughs> and beaten him at that point. Do you, do you, and I don't I don't think we could do that on a family show. But 
I certainly think they got the point across. Yeah, for me, my blood ran very icy cold when the name Emmett Till was mentioned. If anyone is not aware of that story, I won't encourage you to go and Google it because the aftermath of uh, of what happened to that poor poor young man is is just appalling, and I was very frightened that we were going to get something that went as dark as that. Fortunately, we didn't, but things were very uncomfortable, particularly for Ryan, and it was. Um, perhaps the most alien environment the TARDIS has ever been in that respect. Yes, that's an interesting comment and I I, uh, think that's probably appropriate. I mean, um, uh, it certainly was a surprise, I think, to everyone. Okay, let's let's ask this straight off. Do you feel there's a place for Doctor Who to do stories of this nature? Yes, uh, I do think there's a place. I think it's very... It has to be done very carefully, and I was a bit frightened uh, about how it would be done, but I think they did a good job balancing it through. It could have been very bad. It could have gone very badly, and I yeah, and I'm gl- very glad it didn't, and I'm really glad it did teach teach out of it. So I think they were successful at at the episode, but it is difficult to do. I have to agree with you there. Yeah, I was concerned beforehand that. This was going to be an episode where we're we're a bit preachy, we're a bit, um, oh, isn't this terrible, looking down our nose. But actually, the balance was pretty much spot on in terms of telling the story of real, actual events, adding an element of entertainment to it, because this is still a sci-fi show, but being faithful to true events as you can feasibly get get to in a family show yeah overall i think it was very well done there were a few things that i wasn't so keen on but overall as as a piece of work uh, i thought it was excellent my only issue is that it's it's the third episode of the series and we've lost that happy go lucky exploring the universe kind of jolliness quite quickly, which is uh, a bit of a shame, and I would have liked to have held on to that for a, a few more episodes, personally. But Well, I think I think we go back to Sheffield next week, so that's gone. Boop! <laughs> um, but um, perhaps, uh, perhaps we can actually get back uh, exploring the universe and other things. Um, it, I think they did a great job. I think uh, um, Ms. Blackman uh, certainly had a huge influence on it, and, and, and uh, developed a very good script. I know it's co-written by uh, Chris Chibnall, but I do p- feel that the majority of it probably came from uh, Ms. Blackman overall. As far as as the joyfulness, I do think there was a few very comedic lines in there. Um, Stephen Job things <laughs> appealed to me, uh, given my background. Um, uh, Bradley Walsh's Stephen Jobs was kind of funny. But um, it, it is... Um, it's a it's a well done episode, and the, I I guess the biggest thing I had was I wasn't sure why we had a um why we had a villain in there in a sense. Do you you understand it? Sort of like I think you could have done it without the villain. Yeah, I agree with you. I would much have preferred Crasco to have not been in there at all. To be honest, um, I thought he was easily the weakest part of the episode. Perhaps this is naivety on on my side. 
but this idea of a white supremacist from the future, you know, hopefully those sorts of attitudes will, with time, go away, but the likelihood is they won't, and, and that's a slightly depressing thought. But I don't think he, he added too much. He, I liked the concept that only little nudges and changes will change history. I thought that was all fine. But I think you could have easily taken his character out and still had the Doctor and her companions having to put the pieces in place to make sure history stays on track. So I would, I would argue that Rosa Parks incident on the bus was was a spark but the bonfire had already been lit uh, been prepared so if in a sense if if it wasn't the rosa parks incident it would have been something else it was martin luther king and and his his driving personality rosa parks was absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, um, influential and her grace and dignity that she did it with but there could have been another incident that would have allowed the same set of behaviors to happen. So it's all, I, I can't remember, there's something that they talk about in Doctor Who, one being a, a, a um, what's the point, uh, unchangeable, fixed point in time, that if you don't do that, all the other things fall apart. But this was almost, and then there's things where it's just a, uh, it's, it is the point where things change, but it's not necessarily... I'm not trying to discount what Rosa Parks did. I'm just trying to say is I think that point in history, something else could have happened to cause the same behavior going forward. Uh, do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. And it was interesting because the episode opens with the incident in 1943, which was not one I was actually aware of. Uh, I knew about it, and that's why I was surprised when I saw the 1943, and I knew exactly what was happening because she had an incident with... Uh, I had just gone through and rejigged all my uh, studies about it, so I was actually kind of astonished that they had that in there with the accuracy that it was in there. And the fact that when she she was... The uh, original story that they have is Rosa Parks was tired and didn't want to get up. Uh, no, she was tired. Uh, she said that repeatedly in the in the future, in her future, um, that it wasn't she was tired about her day at work. She was just tired of giving in which is a different uh, a different expression altogether. It was researched very, very well uh, in terms of the accuracy of the actions that were discussed. So I thought that was that was well done. Yes, and I think uh, Mallory Blackman, who is a former children's laureate, you know, very mm-hmm. uh, skilled writer, is the driving force behind this episode. But I would imagine Chris Chibnall has been there as... A writing assistant or script editing or whatever to put it into television mm-hmm. terms because I'm not aware of anything Mallory Blackman has written specifically for television. I know some of her previous work have been adapted for television, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is her first original TV script. Uh, it could be. I didn't, when we did our review, I didn't come up with any, I don't think I recall reading anything about about uh, her uh, previous television work. I know her stuff had been adapted, like you said. I'd have to go back and read our our bio of her again. But she was definitely the driving force, I think. And that beginning in 1943, 
sets the pieces in place. For instance, I didn't realize it was the same driver as well. You know, that's that's a huge connection. And we all know from that point where we're going to go in terms of it's going to be the scene where she refuses to give up the seat. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the episode is trying to get us to that point. And I think it, it does it in a reasonably f- fair pace. I wouldn't say it was the quickest 40 minutes or so uh, to get to that point, but it, it manages it reasonably well. Yeah, and it also put the teaching sequence in there pretty easily with the blackboard and uh, the doctor being the teacher. Once again, just like he was he was the teacher in, uh, in uh, Bristol. <laughs> I guess the doctor always wants to be a teacher in some way or another. It, it It's a good episode. I can't... You have to look at it in the light of it being an educational episode, and it definitely does that, and it definitely tells a, a story. To, and it, it puts that shock in there when they immediately slap Brian in the face. I mean, that certainly had my daughter jump foot off the, the settee. Um, so definitely... Uh, makes an impact right off the bat. I think there's also the sequence where the Doctor and Graham are in the motel and the policeman is coming to see if he can, you know, catch Ryan and Yaz inside the room as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some comedic elements to that, you know, the Steve Jobs thing, which, yes, that's quite funny, I like that. The bit where Graham puts his hand on the Doctor's shoulder and she just sort of, <laughs> this look of disgust is fantastic. But the whole crux of the story is is in those few scenes and it's actually Yaz and Ryan sat out by the bins talking about their current experiences. And this this is the moment we've spoken about Remembrance of the Daleks before mm-hmm. and how when Ace finds the no-coloured sign everything slots into place and you suddenly think oh my god this is all about race hatred it's this is the story it's telling that scene between ryan and yaz is what this episode is about yes it's it's not so much about rosa parks really i mean obviously it is because it's called rosa for a start but it's that scene between two modern characters who are still dealing with the same issues that Rosa Parks stood up against. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that I, I, I nearly leapt out of my seat and applauded at that just yeah. for that scene because that's, that's the crux of the episode. That's the bit that should be shown to children. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I do think Yaz was underutilized again, but, she, but her, her acting and her, her importance in that particular scene was stunning. Uh, Amanda Gill, uh, Sean, as as well as Tossin uh, Cole, they were both brilliant in that scene about uh, probably uh, relaying some of their own personal uh, experiences. And it's important that that comes out. And uh, certainly it's something that we need to hear at this particular point in time. I am curious to see how it plays out in the States because we are British people. <laughs> making a story about something very important in the United States. And I'm not sure how it will be taken, Um, so we'll have to see. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point. I wonder how this episode will relate in in other countries. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I'm sure uh, there'll be plenty of discussion and debate. But I think it was an important story. 
it is an important story. I guess the other thing is, is it is a very key part of American history, and um, it has more me. It has more layers to it. In uh, I'd hate to say more meaning. It uh, the aspect of race and race relations is important here as well. But the the U.S. had such a long term of slavery, such a long term of segregation, such lack of ability to vote for for uh, black people, and they still have massive degrees of problems. Um, and uh, I do remember when I was living down in the southern United States about hearing a disabled black man that was dragged behind uh, a pickup truck just for fun and killed. So it it, um, it still exists there, and uh, it's, it's will be interesting to hear how how uh, the American audience sees it. Yes, in recent years we've had uh, the protests at the national anthem of NFL games again the treatment of black suspects at the hands of the police this is an ongoing issue that continues to trouble um this past weekend we've had footage on a Ryanair flight footage from uh, Sainsbury's in the UK with uh somebody spouting racist drivel it, you know, the, these issues aren't going away. They are still Well, they actually prevalent. seem to be going worse. Um, mm. I mean, we can just talk about our own site. It's not... I I must admit I get tired about all the comments that are not... You know, the the comments about about Jody coming up on, on the thing that are clearly nothing to do with the acting or anything like that. It's just sexism remarks that are different there's a difference of it and it seems to be more prevalent that we're actually saying things that are well there's a this kind of like backlash about what's perceived as politically correct and i think it's not it's not a backlash that's going on about politically correct it's a backlash that seems to be going on about civil civility to people and how you treat you would not treat somebody that way you wouldn't uh want your wife or your daughter to be treated uh, to receive the comments that we've received about Jody at various points in time on our site. You wouldn't want your uh, the response back to the people that are kind of they're worried about change to be received by that. You wouldn't want to be on the on the Ryan airplane uh, to be treated the way the the gentleman was there. That is a lack of a dehumanization of the people that we have around, and we're kind of hiding behind this Twitter and this this social media, and it's becoming less how would you put it less civil. Yeah, I think it's a problem with um, social media. It it provides an air of detachment and anonymity to to comments you make. Because, you know, your account might not be your actual name. It might not be your real profile picture. It You know, it could be things of that nature. And, and people, because there is the detachment from being able to say something to someone's face, people are more open and willing to, to throw those things out there, unfortunately, without considering the consequences of, of what they're saying. Mm. 
Well, it's, it's, it, that's an interesting co concept. I must admit that one of the things that's resulted in me running sites, websites and Twitter accounts and things like that is, is trying to be even more civil, to be o overly civil in terms of running these things because I know how things can be misinterpreted. I mean, today I just snapped at someone online and I try and back away from it at points in time, but remember not to do that because it doesn't help the 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 uh, community online. Um, it's something we need to to remember that we actually have to go more the other way because of the lack of facial expressions, because of the lack of seeing how your words impact. You have to take them as being more pain, uh, more sharp, and more hurtful. Does that? makes sense, are more likely to be misinterpreted. So therefore you need to be, more, you have to overly emphasize the other approach of being civil. Yeah, and I think that's just a, a better way to be in life generally. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. Like I said, I actually, <laughs> <laughs> occasionally I get, I, I'll snap back, but I usually walk away from it and pull it back offline um, because there's it doesn't help. In no way does it help. And it also doesn't change anyone's opinion, and you don't change anyone's opinion in however many characters we have now. I know it was more than 220. Okay, so let's move back to the episode. I was concerned that the time travellers would become too involved in history and we'd get a, a situation where you know, the Doctor triggers the civil rights movement, which we didn't get, and actually what we were presented with was them being involved but a necessary involvement they took up seats that necessitated rose's actions for me graham's reaction is perfect no i don't i don't want to be involved in this this is not right but the doctor her sort of look of oh, i've just got to let this happen and i can't do anything about it but it must happen i just want to highlight a tweet that we were sent from daniel martinez he brought up a similarity to jody's doctor and the fifth doctor because of that vulnerability and that sort of flaw the potential of not always winning mm -hmm. you know obviously the fifth doctor failed with um adric's death yeah and a few other places too yeah, and a couple of others. And you failed to get Tegan back to Heathrow often enough. She kept reminding us of that. <laughs> but this is one moment where she's doing the right thing, but it feels like the wrong thing. And it was really smartly written and put pay to any concerns I, I had going in. I certainly put absolute pay to uh, having concerns about Bradley Walsh. He's absolutely the perfect character actor to be in there. Um, vastly becoming one of my favorite uh, companions in in the series. He was stunning on his expressions and his responses to things. My grandson coming up and a few other things like that. And his his complete look of devastation that he had to be there to take one of the seats um, against everything that he believed. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure how Grace would have uh, felt about him 
taking up a seat. I think she would have probably probably would have yelled at him and said, "Get let the let the lady sit down." What kind of gentleman are you? <laughs> I think she, I think Ryan had the answer. Uh, Nan would be having a riot. <laughs> She'd be causing a riot. Yeah, definitely. But it was nice to see, you know, he quite gleefully described Ryan as his grandson throughout the episode, which is... Uh, Extremely protective uh, of, of him. E- even in the situation that they're in, I thought that was very brave and um, uh, slightly antagonistic at times, but uh, it, it, it was excellent. Well, no, he stepped right in front of his grandson and, and the fellow who had slapped him. I don't know what, if we have a name for that fellow. But he just went in blocking it right away so his grandson was safe. He had to go through him. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I agree with you. I think Yaz, once again, is, is still... Uh, just We just want to see more of Yaz. Just yes. want a bit more of Yaz. But um, it was nice how she got to do some sort of police work in terms of trailing Rosa Parks and finding out her routine and working out the num- the the time of day that she'd get on the bus and all that sort of stuff. I think she's starting to come to the fore, but it just just want a bit more. She's she seems to be and her reactions and her pitch and everything perfect. <laughs> she's not got enough to do because we've got so many people in the TARDIS. <laughs> That's all. That's what it feels like. You know like uh, uh what was it we sent uh, when we had Nissa, Turlow, and uh, you know Tegan, Ch- Chameleon. <laughs> we throw in that, all of those lot in the TARDIS, and and uh, uh, let's hide one of them for a minute. Why? Oh, well, I'm going to go do something else or work on something else for a while so that we could focus on a few people. Yes, well, you had which one is it? Kinder, where you have Adric, Tegan, Nissa. There's nothing really for Nissa to do, so she appears in the first episode, says she's going to go for a nap, and reappears at the end of part four, saying, oh, I've had a nice nap. Nap. I mean, this is in keeping with the uh, her contract, I think, was for only 22 episodes out of 24, so they couldn't write her in for these two, but it, it <laughs> they had to find a way of neatly putting her to the side for for a story. We haven't seemed to have enough time for for Yaz. It's not that she's badly written character. It's not that she's badly acted or anything like that or a bad concept. It's just we've had Grace. We've lost Grace. It seems to be focused more on Ryan and, and Graham overall. Yeah, and I think this was a, a Ryan episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was more about Rosa, I think she's probably in more scenes than Yaz is, and that's appropriate. But yeah, I think hopefully next week, maybe cross our fingers, we might get a bit more Yaz. Maybe the next two episodes, possibly. Is it what's which is the one that's about uh, Yaz's grandmother? I would think. Uh, so next week we've got Arachnids in the UK or of the UK, mm-hmm. and then episode five is the. Suranga conundrum, I think. Yes. So, I don't know anything about episode 5, so maybe we'll get a bit more of her in that. Okay, but overall, I think, given the quite heavy material, uh, a very dark subject matter, and a tough topic to do justice to, I think everyone managed ably. I could have done without Crasco. I thought he was quite poor. 
But aside from that, uh, tour de force of an episode. Yeah, just on the Crasco thing. I was thinking it would almost have been better if he was just a lost alien. Yeah, I mean, his. I was questioning his motivation, to be honest. You know, you get out of the storm cage and because I dislike coloured people, I'm going to go and change history for them. And what's more, I mean, it just, it, it's a, maybe that's it, that's all his motivation is. I, I felt he could have done with a bit more depth, uh, or another layer, or something, just to, just to make me consider him, the reasons why he was doing it. Well, I love his leather jacket, so maybe we can get that next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he certainly had the look for the 50s, I'll give him that. Okay, so yes, strong episode, uh, good uh, educational quality to it, and uh, I enjoyed the companions again, once again. So. Yep, definitely a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Okay, well, thank you, listeners. Thank you, Susan, for joining me once again to talk Doctor Who. Uh, we'll be back next week to prepare for Halloween by watching Arachnids of the UK, which is going to be creepy, I can tell. <laughs> the doctor hates spiders remember <laughs> if you don't hate spiders now you will by the end of next week thank you listeners once again don't forget you can uh, send us your feedback email blog to whocast at dt forum.com or on twitter we are at blog to whocast until next time it's goodbye for now bye for now <laughs> <laughs>